Hello, welcome to the Wash SDG podcast, a podcast on water, sanitation and hygiene, or WASH. Uh, this is the third part of the podcast mini-series hosted by the Wash SDG Consortium. Here, we invite practitioners that work on the Wash SDG program to discuss some important topics that relate to their work in WASH. Our program aims to contribute to sustainable development goal number six, so to ensure access to water and sanitation for all by 2030. The consortium is coordinated by CIMAVI and implemented by the WASH Alliance International, Plan International Netherlands and SMV Netherlands Development Organization. My name is Ava Duarte-Davidson and I'm the host of this podcast. Now, today is World Toilet Day and in areas where there are no toilets or alternative to toilets, people may practice open defecation. Like for those who, like me, are not from the wash field, uh, this is when th- this is the human practice of defecating or pooing outside or in the open rather than in a toilet, sometimes in fields, bushes, forests, streets, and which, of course, poses a series of health and other risks and challenges that the wash sector tries to address. Between the year 2000 and 2020, the world saw open defecation rates fall by an average of 37 million people every year. I mean, these are impressive figures that the WASH sector must really be proud of. But if the sector is doing such a great job at delivering toilets, even in the most remote areas of the world, why did the United Nations recently declare that the world is off track in delivering its water and sanitation goal? Joining me today are Rajiv Munankami and Maria Carreiro from SMV. Both are based in Zambia and have extensive sanitation experience in Asia and Africa. Rajiv is an expert in basic services provision with a background in sustainable energy systems and management. Maria is an expert in urban and rural wash service provision, social behaviour change and evidence-based advocacy with a background in international development. Welcome Rajiv and Maria and uh, happy World Toilet Day. Happy Toilet Day. Thank you, Eva. It's good to be here. (laughs) I'm going to start with Rajiv. For those of us outside the wash sector, it's easy to assume that when open defecation practice declines, access to toilets increase. So help me understand why the UN is saying that the world is unlikely to meet its SDG 6 targets by 2030. Rajiv. Yeah, thank you, Eva. As you said, I mean, uh, with the reduction in open defecation, there is an increase in access to toilet. But the whole focus has been uh, more on changing the behavior from open defecation to fixed point defecation. And there has been uh, total sanitation campaigns in all, most of the countries. And there's also a competition among the cities and the countries like who declares open defecation free. So as you said in the intro, like there has been a lot of uh, effort and emphasis in terms of reducing the open defecation. But the challenge now is uh, when we move to fixed point defecation, unless and until the containment is good. Uh, When I say containment is good, like if you look into the countries where they have already declared themselves as open defecation free, but if we look at the volume of sludge, which is again coming back to the local environment, is very high. Like uh, just to give an example, Bangladesh, Nepal, they have declared country as ODF, but more than 80% of sludge is again coming back to the local environment untreated. So it's not just about flushing and forgetting. There is massive infrastructure and services in order to ensure the safe management of the sludge or the feces 
That's why I think UN is saying the world is not able to meet SDG target because the focus has been more on a user interface rather than on safely manage, uh, safely managing the sanitation. Thanks, Rajiv. So you're basically suggesting that when we talk about toilets, we shouldn't limit ourselves to thinking about that white ceramic or cemented slab, that the scope is much bigger. Um, do you agree with this, Maria? Yes, definitely. The whole concept that the SDGs introduced of safely managed sanitation really forces to think beyond the fixed point defecation that Rajiv was mentioning. So now the focus is on the entire sanitation chain and the different steps of the sanitation chain. So for our listeners uh, in lower and middle income countries, the vast majority of people do not have access to sewer systems. So they do have, when they have something, what they have is a pit toilet or a containment, what we call on-site sanitation. So this means that in order for us to have safely managed sanitation, of course, first the toilet needs to be in place. Then that toilet has to have a containment that can be emptied. And then uh, the contents of that containment need to be transported, safely transported to a treatment plant where they are safely treated before disposal. If any of the elements of this chain fails, if the interconnectedness is not observed from the onset, then we can't really talk about safely managed sanitation. And that's why the UN is saying that we're off track to meet that target. Thanks, Maria. Uh, the concept that you've just mentioned of interconnectivity is really relevant. Uh, linking it to the last point you made on the sanitation service value chain, does this interconnectivity work well or are there uh, some points, some nodal points within the value chain that need a bit more attention? Rajiv, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I think uh, we have a saying when you start well, I mean, you will reach to your goal. And as Maria explained in the sanitation service chain, uh, we should start with standard toilets, then only the later nodes of the sanitation value chain can be functional. So if we look into the sanitation value chain, I think containment or the capture part has been uh, very less emphasis or attention has been received on the containment part. When I say containment, again, for the listeners, uh, in sanitation, we have we generally have either sewer system or on-site, and most of the uh, low and income countries, more than 80% or primarily uh, majority of the households are dependent on on-site sanitation. So if you have sewer line, you can flush and forget it because it is considered as uh, public infrastructure, the public services, but it, when it comes to on-site sanitation, uh, it is expected that the household have to manage those. So al- al- along this chain, uh, the, the li- there has been a limited attention on the containment, which is at the start of the sanitation service chain. And just to give you an example, why containment matters, like when we look into the standard of um, septic tanks, people assume that there is a building code, so septic t- standard septic tanks are constructed. But in reality, we have found different types of so-called septic tanks which are not standard and doesn't work as expected to work. But in terms of pit latrines, which is, again, majority of the 
low-income communities use. They are also substandard, like there's no lining uh, on the pit latrines. We have heard of a lot of cases where uh, collapsing of the pit latrines, and if the pits are not lined, you cannot even empty. So the later nodes of the service chain is not functional if we don't have a standard containment. What do you think, Maria? Well, I couldn't agree more with you. Indeed, containment matters, and it matters a lot, not just because it's the first step in preventing the contamination of the underground water resources if these pits, pits are unlined, for instance, but also because when you think about the emptying parts of the sanitation chain, the people who are doing this type of work that need to empty these containments, if these containments are substandard, then these people will be operating in a circumstance that offers a lot of health hazards. So in addition of pits that may collapse, they also may have to enter the pit to empty it, which is extremely unsafe. They might be dealing with um, poisonous gas or, and other sorts of risks. So if these containments are indeed not properly designed, uh, then it also challenges the, the circumstances in which these emptiers operate. And these emptiers are an absolutely critical part of the service provision for the sanitation chain. And then, um, in addition to, to the containment uh, challenges, the, the design containment challenges, climate change events are adding to these uh, risks and making everything even more complex for these uh, frontline workers. Back to you, Eva. Thanks, Maria. I mean, the image that comes to mind to me is uh, of these workers opening the pits and what they find the, uh, the smells, the cockroaches, which is actually seen as positive because it means that there's no deadly gases in there. I mean, wow, I can imagine it's definitely not a nice job, but extremely essential. Going back to the SDGs and how they are interconnected, uh, COP26 is just finalising and climate change is on all our minds. Now, when we think of toilets and climate change, I guess they're not two words that one associates naturally, but they are interconnected. And uh, Maria just mentioned a bit how, uh, but I was wondering what challenges is climate change posing in sanitation? Rajiv? Climate change, it, it puts a stress on performance of sanitation infrastructure, such as containment, like when uh, the cl extreme climate event happens. Uh, there are direct and indirect consequences, like if there is frequent and frequent flooding, and intense rain, this will increase the demand of emptying, but this will also pose threat on the containment, like collapsing of the containment and the uh, leaking of the containment in the local environment. So on the other side, in case of drought, toilet that cannot be flushed or sludge that gets so hardened that the containment becomes very difficult to empty. Like Eva, you were imagining the situation when the emptiers were emptying. Just imagine, I mean, it's completely dried and they need additional tools or even they, they may have to go inside the pit and the septic tank in order to empty those. So the, on the other side, the complete disruption of wash infrastructure, it also puts a serious risk in terms of extreme weather events. So climate change increases the frequency of extreme weather events. Uh, this last example that you've put, Rajiv, of what drought implies for the pit emptiers when there's no rain, 
How about when there are floods? Uh, I guess you saw quite a bit of that circumstance when you were in Bangladesh, uh, Rajiv. And then, of course, when you imagine all these toilets that are getting flooded and their contents are just released in the environment. So it's not just flood water, which is already dirty as it is by default. It's a flood water that it's heavily charged with pathogens that were inside these pits. You want to share from your experience in Bangladesh, uh, Rajiv? Yeah, I mean... uh... If you look into Bangladesh situation during the rainy season, I think half of the country gets inundated in water uh, because of high water table and the flood water coming in. So there's the challenges like what type of containments uh, can we promote? So whenever we talk about climate change and sanitation, mostly people think only about flooding of the toilet. But in order to make those toilets Uh, useful during uh, those flooding period, there are different aspects we need to look in terms of selection, site selection of the toilet, and also making the toilets um, leak-proof. And that also increases, again, coming back to Maria's point, in terms of emptying. If if the containments are leak-proof, every containment has a capacity and it requires regular emptying. Yeah, if I may, and if I may add, uh, Rajiv, of course, uh, we are, we're now discussing uh, Bangladesh. Different countries have different uh, challenges. So, for instance, from uh, um, Indonesia or Zambia, we also observe challenges uh, during the drought uh, season or during floods. But the common feature, regardless of the country, is that the most vulnerable populations are the ones that suffer the most because they are the ones that are less equipped either to prevent or to mitigate, to, to manage, to cope with the impacts of, um, of these uh, situations. So it's also uh, yet another circumstance where the different, the different capacities and the different abilities of the people are put to the test. And of course, the vulnerable ones are the ones that uh, end up suffering the most. And we're talking about the poor and the poorest and most vulnerable of the lower and middle income countries. Um, yes, most certainly. Yes. Well, thank you both for sharing your experiences and insights with us to now. Uh, you've brought up really, really interesting issues. Um, now, let's move on to the lightning round of this podcast. Uh, for this segment, I will put forward several statements to which both of you can agree or disagree. And uh, I give you 30 seconds uh, to explain why. Are you ready? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So my first statement... Um, Poorer and vulnerable groups pay more for sanitation than better off communities. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I I fully agree with the generally in decentralized system. If you compare the centralized and decentralized system, the, the decentralized systems pay more. And in terms of sanitation as well, most of the households in low and middle income or the vulnerable communities, they rely on on-site sanitation. And in in order to manage it safely they 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 will have to have massive infrastructure and services in order to ensure the safe sanitation that's why i think i mean they pay more what about you maria do you think the same or disagree with that yeah well i also agree um what we observe is that the better off communities tend to live in planned areas of the the city for instance so they tend to have access to sewer systems which are much more 
uh, robust and also, of course, they are paid uh, by through public funds. Whereas if you go to unplanned or informal settlements, there's rarely any sewer system there. So any um, sanitation facility that is in place is paid by the people that live in that area that, of course, tend to be the people that are less better off. Okay, thank you. Uh, Next statement. So once infrastructure is in place, access to safely managed sanitation is guaranteed. Do you agree or disagree? I pass to Maria this time. Uh, Well, (laughs) in fact, I couldn't uh, disagree more. That is a a very flawed assumption to think that once the infrastructure is built, the sewer system or the treatment plant is there, that you have access to safely managed sanitation. In practice, what we observe uh, is that two other aspects play a very key role. One is, of course, operation and maintenance, and the other is service provision uh, attached to the infrastructure part. Just to give you an example, for instance, you can build a treatment plant, but then if your service provision is not collecting the contain the contents of the containment, that treatment plant does not have human waste to treat. So you do have the infrastructure, but your treatment is not taking place. Therefore, safely managed sanitation is not guaranteed. I'm sure Rajiv can give examples as well. Yeah, I wish I could agree with this statement. Oh, I'm shocked. <laughs> But we have a lot of we have seen a lot of white elephants in many cities where infrastructure have been constructed. And if you look into uh, the local authorities, whenever we go for the new program startup, the first thing they say they ask is like, "What are you going to construct, and how much are you money are you going to bring in?" But the whole idea is unless and until we have the services set up. Uh, these types of infrastructure have and will remain as white elephants in the cities. So I hear that you you both disagree with that one, that last statement. I'm going to pass to the third one now, and it's the following: climate change policies that do not take into account water and sanitation elements are doomed to fail. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I also disagree. If we look into the climate change aspect and the sanitation, there has been a lot of emphasis on wash, but mostly talk about water. And we assume that sanitation is part of water. So sanitation, unless and until sanitation and hygiene is considered, or unless and we talk about the resilience system, overall resilience of sanitation hygiene system, it would be really difficult to assume that Uh, we will achieve safely managed sanitation services. But when we look at the country level, there are a lot of uh, uh, climate change policies, climate change action plan, NAPAs, NDCs, and policies. But when it comes to implementation at the local level, it has been very weak, unfortunately, in terms of sanitation and hygiene. Yes, and it's also my my opinion. Uh, The water aspect has been... uh thoroughly discussed, but uh, not so much the sanitation and hygiene part, though that is beginning to change. And of course, even when you're talking about water, if you're not talking about sanitation, then you are not fully considering the water quality aspects, for instance. And very interestingly, um, human waste is a big generator of methane uh, emissions, uh, and that's something that could also be more considered um, in the climate change uh, policies is the contributions and how it can be mitigated 
from sanitation work. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, water, it's almost intuitive how you link it uh, when, when you think about climate change. But yeah, sanitation is not so obvious. So thank you for outlining some of the issues that we need to take into account there. Um, a lot of disagreement with all those comments, by the way, <laughs> with the, all the statements. That's been really good fun. Uh, thank you both for spending time with us and talking to us for World Toilet Day on all these issues. Before we conclude our podcast, are there any last remarks or statements that you'd like to make? Yeah, I think uh, well-managed sanitation is invisible to the public and politicians. But looking at the number of toilets at a fixed point, defecation, a behavior we are having, it's more like a ticking time bomb. I mean, unless and until we manage it safely, it may explode anytime. And as you know, like, I mean, the if there is some problem with the containment, it will have impact on the local public health environment. So despite the more holistic approach to sanitation on the SDG, mm-hmm. the human factor that underpins the movement of waste from toilet to treatment still remains underrepresented in policies, program, and practices. So there's more work to do in terms of ensuring safe sanitation services. And also, if we want to value toilet, it's not looking at the user interface constructing toilet with fantastic ceramic tiles and all. But the most important is what is underground? How do we manage those is the main challenge. Thank you, Rajiv. I mean, it's amazing how we're able to ignore something that uh, where we go several times a day, isn't it? Yeah. And Maria, any any last statements or, or comments you'd like to make? Well, if there's a couple of key ideas that I would like our listeners to take home is that indeed safely managed sanitation really makes the invisible, visible. And it's not uh, just in terms of the infrastructure that needs to be in place so that our waste is safely treated, starting from the toilet and ending at the treatment plant, but it's also making visible uh, the work of the emptiers Mm -hmm. without whom uh, the service chain just collapse. And the second key idea for me is that Climate change is posing uh, new challenges to the to the infrastructure aspects of the sanitation, but also to the people again that uh, work uh, these systems that are now more exposed to to floods, having to empty flooded toilets or having to empty uh, toilets that are so dried that they have to go in in order to remove its contents. So these two making the invisible visible and keeping climate change uh, in perspective. Thank you. Really important points. Thank you again so much, Rajiv and Maria, uh, for taking the time to join us. Uh, I found it extremely interesting um, and definitely some food for thought on World Toilet Day. Thanks for listening to this Wash SDG podcast. Uh, Make sure to share this episode and follow the Wash SDG partners on social media to stay tuned for the next episodes. The podcast is a collaboration of the WASH Alliance International, which is led by Simabi, uh, SMV and Plan International Netherlands. And it's all possible thank you to the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs through its inclusive green growth department. And we look forward to seeing you next time.